Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Anthony Lavopa. He's an active duty U.S. Naval officer and leadership coach. Welcome to the show, Anthony. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Good morning. Here it is evening time in India and it's night. This is how, you know, two parts of the world can meet very nicely with technology. And so we'll be, it's, it's a great thing. And what we'll be talking today, you know, it's not, not only going to be, you know, beneficial for, for people in India where I am at the moment, but also a lot of people across the globe, uh, you know, and we'll be talking about leadership. We'll be talking about how one can, you know, uh, do very good in terms of leadership. So I want to understand from you, Anthony, if I'm correct, correct, you are currently a, a trainer and uh, at the U.S. War, Naval War College, you conduct research analysis, analysis and education on maritime strategy and leadership. Uh, in terms of leadership, how do you see leadership in today's time? In terms of what difference do you find in the Navy, there is a very hardcore structure. So leadership is perhaps a bit uh, bit easy, if I may use that word. But outside, how can one become a good leader? Uh, are, the, are leadership traits or everything else, they change, change much or is it the same? You are a leadership coach. Help us understand, you know, the rules of the leadership so that we can understand it both from you know your perspective as a as an officer as well as you know navy officer as well as from an outside who is coaching a lot of people yeah that so that's a really good question i think you know the military is unique in its leadership and that we have a very rigid structured uh command structure but that doesn't always necessarily translate to leadership and leadership is very fluid. Uh, it's very changing. It's very sometimes very situational or even interpersonal interpersonally dependent. And so the one, one thing that I found in talking to many people that are not in the military, um, that are in the civilian world or the business world or entrepreneurs is many people really struggle with two major things that I've seen. One is communication and the other is organization and time management. And I, I think what drives that is we are all um, learners in different ways. Uh, and so sometimes as leaders, we forget that other people learn and communicate differently than we do. I myself, I'm a very visual person. So I, I, and I'm, I have an engineering degree. So I like to see, you know, things drawn out and arrows and math equations. I think like that, but some people don't think like that. Some people are very auditory. And so they prefer to um, just close their eyes and listen to try and understand. And so I think as leaders, it's important that we understand the type of communication that our team is, is best suited to do. And then also from a time management and organization perspective, 
uh, I found that many people try and do leadership by email. And it's very, very challenging to have a discussion with someone with, with email because you lose that personal connection, right? You lose the tone of someone's voice. You lose the amount of empathy that perhaps they're trying to communicate through the conversation. Um, and, but those, that to me is what leadership is all about. The other question I get from people a lot is, well, you know, AI is on the rise. There's so much AI. We can use AI to substitute for leadership. And, and I, I vehemently disagree with that. Um, again, I think leadership is a very personal journey. And part of that personal journey is the other people that you bring in the journey with you. And so if we as humans are relegating that to a machine and just looking for a machine to tell us, I think we've I think we've lost leadership. It's very much a, a human art form. Right, right. Uh, a couple of other things, you know, we'll come to the time management and organizational part of it. A couple of other things that people talk about, you know, uh, lack of, you know, these things in leadership is the empathy part. That, you know, you are not able to understand what others are going through. Uh, you need to communicate in a much more, that will come under communication. But I want to understand, is, is it that in your, in a very rigid structure, you have more empathy in a Navy, in the Navy? And outside, where it is much more a flexible structure, where there is much more room for, you know, understanding people, there is less of empathy. I find this a bit of a irony. I want to understand your perspective on that. And then we'll get to the time management part of it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I don't think that the Navy has more or less empathy than the civilian or, or the business sector. I think it just comes across differently. Uh, you know, in the military, we have the opportunity and authority to, to give orders to people. Uh, and sometimes I think people use that as a leadership tool when really, instead of giving someone an order, what they really want to do is have a conversation to better understand how to get something done. And so I think at times, uh, people in the military can resort to the order model and just saying, go do this. This is what I need. Whereas in the business world, I've seen it to be a little bit more collaborative uh, and a little bit more of a dialogue. So it's not necessarily that there's more or less empathy. It's really just a change in approach. Right, right. But you see, in, in your case, I saw in terms of the feedback that you've got from others, there you have been, you know, uh, uh, good words for you for creating a collaborative culture and you know so how how did that happen how does that part happen in navy where it is you know much more of a structured approach and where collaboration where orders will do why need to collaborate so much i want to understand the mindset even in a civilian life if you see in terms of the leadership in business uh, business especially you have the employees they will listen to you but we talk more of collaboration and then that is also not happening you have got both things in your hand in terms of your hierarchy you got the supervisory powers over your subordinates over your you know uh, over the people who are working for you that you are not able to do, uh, get done and on the other side when you have when you can show more uh, empathy 
much more try to understand the personal problems of what an employee is going through that also you are not able to that uh, do and that is where this whole concept of toxic workplaces have also come in so i want to understand then what is the essence of leader who is a leader in today's time in the navy it is understood there is a strong rigorous process through which you know people go through from one step to another but in terms of businesses what can people uh, you know outside when they are doing business or anything else what they can learn from you obviously when you are teaching a lot of people within the navy itself one day very soon or later on they have to get into the civilian life so obviously you try to teach them a lot of things that they don't need to forget they can remember so that in the civilian life it is it is an advantage to them and not a disadvantage yeah, those are those are all great questions. And I, and I uh, first I'd like to start with by saying I think there's a difference between authority and leadership. And that's where I think sometimes uh, as military officers, again, I think we tend to go more of the authority route instead of the leadership route. Second, I want to say that in, in my opinion, empathy is what makes people reach their potential. Right. Understanding that human dynamic of what makes someone tick what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and being able to be empathetic as a leader or sympathetic in some cases where you may share some of those strengths and weaknesses. It's really important to have that conversation with your team so that they feel like they're working for someone that also is not infallible, right? And so as, as the leader of a team, you've got to humble yourself enough for the people on your team to trust you to say, okay, this person is real. They're not a robot. They understand my feelings. They understand what's going on at home. They understand my strengths and weaknesses at work. And when you get all those people together and you can have that discussion, in my mind, that's what drives collaboration. And the best military organizations that I know have that level of collaboration right? There's an ability to walk in the room, even in my former position as the commanding officer of a ship, walking to a room with people that I trust to say, okay, here's the problem. I think I know what the solution is, but you guys tell me what you think the best solution is, or tell me if what I'm thinking is totally off base, right? And that's where as a leader, you've got to trust the people that have the experience and the knowledge and the day-to-day workings of things. And, and often for people on the outside I, or in the military, I make the comparison to a CEO, right? The CEO is there to run the overall company, right? He or she is responsible to the shareholders uh, for, for how well the business does. But when there's a major legal decision to be made, let's say the company is going to merge with someone, right? The CEO doesn't sit in his or her office by themselves and come up with a plan. If they're good, they walk down the, the hall to where all the lawyers work and they say, hey, tell me what the legal implications of this are. OK, great. Then they go to the chief financial officer and they say, hey, is this a good thing? Is it not a good thing? Tell me what you think. And then eventually brings all those people into the same room and says, here's the decision that I think I want to make. Here's the advice that each of you have given me. But now collectively as a group, let's talk about whether this is good. Or it's or it's not good, um, 
So I think that's a really powerful thing when you can get down to the human element with someone and understand what their strengths and weaknesses are, what makes them tick. That's a, that's immensely powerful because there's nothing more frustrating for people than to go to work and be asked to do something that they're not good at. And so if you can identify that early as a leader and you can say, you know, I know this person is really not good at admin, but wow, their creative brain is unbelievable. Then have them do creative stuff and work with them over time on how to improve their administrative skills. But don't just hand them a pile of administrative items to do because mentally now you've lost that person and they're feeling so overwhelmed with something they don't understand and something they're not good at. Right. Right, Anthony. Let's look at the mental makeup, the mindset of leaders. A leader's, you know, capability can come out in terms of whenever there is a difficult time or when you can understand a bit of the future, how you are going to deal with anything, especially if it's a rapidly, you know, changing, challenging environment. And let's take, for example, in terms of COVID. At that time, you were commanding your ship, you know, USSS Hurricane. And and that point in time, you did what you have to do, the combat certification process, multiple patrols, you know, all, all those things you did in whatever way. So you uh, did things on the spot, thought of things beforehand, and then look. In the corporate world, a lot of leaders who are supposed to also be prepared for the future because you can't just be only looking at the present many of them were not very good about it already you know during that same time the great resignation started and a lot of people the actual the uh, the substance of good leadership or bad leadership actually were for all to see with so much you know layoffs and everything so i want to understand how do i know uh, the mental makeup of a leader. When you are in the army or in the navy, you go through that process. In a corporate sector, you only look at the numbers, or some, or, or maybe uh, that some good management school or whatever it is. But that does not. That can only bring you authority, not leadership. What would you like to tell leadership leaders in terms of you know uh, strengthening their mindset in terms of leading from the front? And not, uh, you know, not chicken out when the difficult times come in. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So I think first off, as a leader, you need to know who you are and what you stand for. Right. And I, and the, the example I always use is if you're the CEO or you're a senior vice president of a company and you're walking from your car into the building and you see garbage on the ground. Are you going to pick up the garbage and put it in the garbage can? Or are you going to think to yourself, you know what? We pay people to do that. That's someone else's job, right? That's that in my mind is the first illustration of what kind of leader are you? If you pick up the garbage, people see that and they go, wow, the senior vice president of the company can pick up garbage on his way in. So he's, he's willing to do what it takes to be successful. The second thing is, you need to communicate to your team the kind of person you are and the values you have. So when I took command, one of the things that I told the crew was family is really important to me. And at least two or three times a week, I want to go home 
and have dinner with my family and not be working late. And it was challenging. Sometimes it was only one time a week. And, and my wife made sure that she told me it was only one time a week. But what that did was they saw that that was important to me. And then it became important to them. And even the sailors that didn't have families uh, where we were, they still understood that the captain needed time for himself and they wanted to take time for themselves, right? The other thing I would do is encourage them, hey, if, if your wife's on base, go meet her for lunch or have her come to the ship and have lunch, right? Have that interpersonal relationship that people can see. Again, show your team that you're a, a human being and you've got emotion and needs outside of work, right? No one likes to work for a workaholic. It's, it's not enjoyable. Um, and then third, you know, again, my advice when you take over a team or perhaps quarterly or monthly, sit down with the whole team and say, hey, this is where we are. Let's develop some metrics together as a team on what we want to accomplish and how we're going to get there. So one of the things that I did in command was I said, look, if we can do X, then I'll give everybody the weekend off, but we've got to do it more than once. It can't be a fluke. It's got to be repetitive success. Um, and, and I would tell people, hey, th these are the challenges. This is where I'm struggling. This is where I need help from you guys or girls. Um, and this is how you can help me. And I think that back and forth dialogue, as long as you're honest as a leader and you tell people what you're thinking, um, I think people really value that. The The other part of leadership that I don't subscribe to is this notion that, well, you're the leader. You can't say, I don't know. I think, oh, I don't know is a great phrase when you don't actually know, right? It's okay to be in a room and not be the smartest person. And when someone has a question or a situation presents itself, Sometimes even as the most senior person with the most authority in the room, it's okay to be the first one to raise your hand and say, hey, that's a great question. I never thought of that. I'm not really sure. I'm going to have to go look that up. Has anybody else done this before? Does anybody else have experience with this? And you might get somebody in the back of the room who you've never had a conversation with and they may go, hey, this happened to me once. Wow. Okay, great. Now we have at least one experience to start from, and we can go from there. So again, I go back to not confusing authority with leadership, right? Authority is a management tool for, for goal uh, accomplishment. And in my opinion, true leaders never really have to use their authority because their team just understands uh, what it is that they're looking for. Um, I just finished a book. It's called Mastering the Art of Command. It's, it's written written by Trent Hone, and it's about Admiral Nimitz at the start of World War II. And one of the major reasons that Nimitz had success as the commander-in-chief of the Pacific Fleet was he was very collaborative with his teams. He would meet every morning at 8 o'clock with a very small, close group of advisors. They would talk about the war, what needed to be done. And then at 9 o'clock, he would transition that meeting and invite everyone on his staff. And he would just sit and listen while people would say, you know, Admiral, we need more of this, or Admiral, this isn't working, or Admiral, what about this? And it was about an hour long every day of open dialogue from a four-star fleet commander all the way down to the lowest levels. And that's how he learned. 
he learned by people coming to those meetings and asking the questions. So as a leader, if you're using that story and you think, wow, if this four-star admiral can do that in a time of war and he's open to the ideas and, and the collaboration uh, amongst his and the innovation amongst his staff, then what does that say about us now in whatever leadership position we're in? Collaboration is the key to success, right? If you, uh, there's the old saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with many people. And so the go far with many people is where I think um, most leaders want to go uh, because they understand the value of their team and they understand that going in alone only gets you so far. And then eventually you're going to need to ask for help. Absolutely. Absolutely, Anthony. Now let's look at uh, team compositions in terms of uh, there can be very talented people, very high performing people with a bit of ambition also, either in the in, in, in the armed forces, in the Navy, also in the corporate world. A lot of people come in. Now, there can be only one CEO, one position or whoever it is. How do you uh, several times what happens is when people are ambitious, when there are high performing people, great people, you know, there comes ego issues also, especially sometimes if you are the leader, you may become insecure. How do you ensure that uh, you are getting the work done? You are also honoring that talent and performance of others, as well as making sure that you are not belittling yourself or your leadership. Uh, leadership. How can one do that what is the how do you do it in the uh, in the armed forces in in navy there also you got lots of talented people in fact people are ready to die for for the people who are commanding them in the corporate world at least that is not the case they can always change jobs if they don't like anything or a different situation help us understand here again the mindset in terms of dealing with a team which is very capable but a leader is weak from the mind or does not, or is not able to see things in the right perspective. Yeah. So first off, you know, my personal opinion is if you have an ego, you shouldn't, shouldn't be considering yourself to be a leader, right? Because leadership is not about you. It's the people that you serve. So that's the most important thing to remember. The second thing is, from a position standpoint, there's there's authority and accountability with any job, no matter what, whether it's warship commanding officer, senior vice president, chief financial officer, whatever it may be, right? That person at the end of the day is ultimately responsible for the performance of their team. However, people in those positions should not confuse the fact that they have accountability with the fact that they have talented people doing the work. And if you're truly a leader and you're not managing, then you're giving your team the autonomy to say, here's the goal that we need to meet. Here's the amount of time we have to meet it. Here's the checkpoints along the way where I want you guys to come back to me and say, hey, boss, this is where we're at so far. What do you think? Do you have any ideas, et cetera? And then when you get to the final product and you approve it at as, as the person, you know, ultimately responsible, you should know who on your team 
contributed to the success of that project. And when you, you have the opportunity as a leader to recognize those people to someone senior or to the company or the ship, you are obligated as a leader to do that because you didn't do that work. It would be like someone writing a newspaper article and you read it and then walking down the hall and, and saying to someone, look at this great article that I wrote. No, you didn't write it. You read it. Someone else did the research and put the time in to write the article. So it's important to acknowledge them as the producer of that work. I also think from an ego perspective that the less you make it about you, the easier it is to communicate with your team. And the, the more people who are your peers or are senior to you will trust and respect you, right? When you're the person that always walks in the team, there, there's eventually you get to the eye roll element. You're like, oh, okay, this guy's back again. He's going to tell us how great he is. But when you walk in and you say, man, this one guy on my team, he's a graphic designer. He is amazing. He did the whole portfolio for da-da-da or this company or, you know, wow, this, this woman is just an incredible engineer. She's just brilliant. I've never met someone like her. And you start talking about your team. That causes a mindset shift in your organization because now the focus goes away from the person leading the team. And it goes to the people that are on the team, which is most important. Um, so I, I think that would be the advice I'd have to offer is one is leave your ego at the door two, trust your employees and three, recognize that they're really doing the hard work. You're there to simply provide some oversight and be the accountability portion at the end of the day. Right, right, Anthony. Now, let me ask you this way. You are a leadership coach. What is it that you get asked often about leadership, the challenges others are facing in today's time? And what do you generally advise them? You know, I, I kind of get questions all over the map. Uh, I get lots of questions about communication. I get lots of questions regarding how do, how do I talk to someone or how do I counsel somebody about their performance in a way that's non-attributional or in a way that although the, the, the tone and tenure of the conversation may be negative, I can still put it in a positive way to leave them feeling like, okay, I got good feedback. I, I'm not performing to my best, but I also got some suggestions on how to move forward and, and how to be better and how my boss can help me be better or what my boss is expecting from me. I found that a lot of times, especially with small business owners, because there's not many employees, they often say, go do this job. And an employee goes and, and they, they don't really do a good job at it. But when we start kind of doing the accident reconstruction, so to speak, what we find out is one, they, they don't have the right tools to do the job. Two, they were never given any kind of training for the job the the you know manager or owner or whatever just simply said i i really need somebody to go do this okay and they they did it to the best that they thought that they could but again lacking the tools in the training is a trend that i see um across companies the other the other trend i see is lack of trust and 
trust is something that's built over time and it's and training is a piece of that right when you get a new employee if you own a store you don't have the employee open and close the store and give them the keys on the very first day right you have to show them how do you close the cash register how do you put stuff away how do you set the alarm how do you all those things right it takes time it takes training it takes you as the boss or you as the person in charge supervising them to get a level of comfort that yes they know what they're doing before you just leave them on on their own right just like learning to drive you don't just give your kids the keys of the car and they've never had a driver's permit and they've never been out you have to help them you have to teach them how to drive um and so that's where i found many small business owners lack the vision is the training and the tools and the trust piece the other thing i would say about the trust piece is knowing when as an employer your employees simply are not going to get there right and you've invested in them you've trained them you've given them counseling and sometimes people just aren't the right fit for the job but employees or bosses or business owners are afraid to let people go because they may not get someone else and that in my mind is not a recipe for success right having a substandard uh, performing employee over time is only detrimental to your organization because that person becomes bitter. They want to do just the minimum. And now as the leader or the business owner, you're having to invest more and more time in that person or in their process to go fix things that they're doing incorrectly. And so I was working with a, a gentleman who owned a small business here in Rhode Island, and he was losing about $5,000 to $7,000 a month because of employees not doing what they're supposed to, losing tools, damaging equipment. And, you know, he, he was just like, I just don't understand. I don't understand what the problem is. And, and frankly, after about two minutes, I looked at him and I said, you can't trust your employees. And I wouldn't trust them either. Right. When someone damages your company car and they don't say anything to you, that person is not trustworthy. Uh, they're not trustworthy with a weed whacker and they're not trustworthy with driving the tractor for your landscaping company. And so it took a lot of time to kind of pull that out to say, hey, you know what? You really need to start a process of letting this guy go and documenting all of the things that he's done so that when you let him go, he clearly understands, hey, you're you're not a good fit for us right this isn't what our company values are or this isn't what i value as as a boss or and a, and a business owner and and frankly at the end of the day you're costing me a lot of money based on your work ethic and your inability to do work correctly and so you know those three things i think are are the big trends that i've seen uh in talking with business owners and in talking with people in the corporate world. Absolutely. Wonderfully explained, Anthony. There is much to learn, you know, about leadership and, and most important is to go on the ground and do things and then uh, solve those problems and meet those challenges. For a lot of people who would want to learn more about leadership, more about everything associated with it, you know, from you, what is the best way for them to connect with you? The best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Uh, I love LinkedIn. It's a great platform for professionals to network. I post a lot of things on, on there every day. 
And so I'd encourage people go to my LinkedIn page, reach out to me, send me a message, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to help you. Wonderful. With this, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much indeed for joining us.